Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. Today, we have the honor of talking to Jenna Fessemeyer, who competed and represented the United States in three events this past summer at the Tokyo Paralympics. Jenna was actually born with a rare birth defect that caused her left leg to be shorter than the other. Her case was so extreme to the point where one of the top doctors in that field actually told her parents that their daughter would have to be in a wheelchair her entire life, and she wouldn't even be able to use a prosthetic. Well, guess what? Here's another example of a doctor being proven wrong. Not only has this young woman walked with a prosthetic her entire life, but she has been inspiring people all over the world every day in her sport of wheelchair racing. Can't wait for you guys to hear this episode with the amazing Jenna Fessemeyer. I'm Kevin. And I'm Stephanie. And during our marriage, we have dealt with an electrocution, a brain tumor, brain surgery. Then doctors telling us that children were not in our future, followed by miscarriage, and then Kevin's cancer diagnosis. However, today, we live a life completely healed and restored with three healthy children who doctors said were not possible. And we're here to tell stories that inspire, give hope, and brighten your day. Welcome to Tell Us a Good Story. This episode is being presented to you by Luby Companies, a custom home builder here in Central Ohio. Let them be your builder for life. They're freaking awesome. All right, Steph. You made it happen. Are you ready to be inspired? I'm so happy. Friends, our next guest is the very first Paralympic athlete from the great state of Ohio. She's currently at the University of Illinois getting her master's degree in education policy. And she is a Team USA wheelchair athlete who recently competed at the Tokyo Paralympics. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to tell us a good story, Miss Jenna Fessemeyer. Jenna, I'm so excited. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here and I'm so excited for our conversation today. I am thrilled as Steph is, as yes, you can already I'm tell. So excited. Steph is very giddy. Yes. To have this conversation with you, and she already has a girl crush on you. I apparently. totally do, you guys. And Jenna, you have done a lot in your career and set records. And I just want to inform you right off the bat: you just set a new record. It's a big one. Might be your biggest. Your one. episode 104 on Tell Us a Good Story. And Woo! no, no, that's not the record. That's not the record. Oh, <laughs> but I love that you're already cheering. Yes, this is why I like you're her. You're excited. Yes. The record is you are now the youngest person we have ever talked to on Tell Us a Good Story. Wow. I'm honored. So, Steph, <laughs> here's what's going to make me feel so old. Jenna here mm-hmm. was born in 1997, oh. which is the year that I graduated high school. Oh, so I have like a girl crush on somebody that could be my daughter. Yes. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, we're going to be talking to Jenna. And then on her end, she's going to be thinking, this is like I'm talking to my parents right now. Awesome. (laughs) That does not put me in my place at all. So not a great record for you and I. uh -uh. That's all right. That's okay. I'm okay with that. So first off, I want to talk about your family. You are a triplet with your brother, Jonathan, and sister, Jessica, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm a triplet. And wouldn't you know it, I am the youngest by one minute. And they have never let me live it down. <laughs> For as competitive as I am, I was born last. So <laughs> wait a second. Your parents have triplets and they named Jonathan, Jessica and Jenna because that didn't get confusing when they were yelling at their oh, kids. Oh, I'm sure they didn't. Right? <laughs> All Jays. Exactly. But yeah. Here's what's funny. Jenna got the bronze medal within her family. 
<laughs> in the birth race. Yeah. And so they never let me live that down that I was in last place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you might win Olympics. But <laughs> yeah, always be third in this family. Yeah, but I do have a birth story really quick. So as we were growing up, we all went out to dinner somewhere. I don't remember where we went out to dinner, but we were with my mom and my dad, Dave and Cindy Festmeyer. And my dad decided to tell our birth order story to us. And so we were sitting at the dinner table and my dad goes, Jonathan, you were born first, Jessica, you were born second. And my mom was like, David, you need to stop this conversation right now because Jenna is about to lose it. And he goes, Jenna, you were born last. And I cleared the dinner table. I was so mad that I was last. And so that's just a little insight to my competitive nature. Born last, I just cleared the table. How old were you? Oh, I was just a couple years old. I mean, I had to have been, I don't know, maybe three years old. I was so young, but I did not like that L word being last. So, uh, yeah. Steph, I can't imagine dinner with triplets no. at the table. No, we can barely handle dinner with one. <laughs> Well, we have, we have three. We have three, but, but they're the not one is three years old and we still don't go out to eat. Oh my gosh. We don't go out to mm-hmm. eat In public because, with him. no. So you were born without a left leg and without a hip socket. Is that correct? Yes. So I was born with proximal femoral focal deficiency. Try to say that five times fast. That. That's what I was reading. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to try to pronounce that, Jenna. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Proximal femoral focal deficiency. So what that means is that when I was born... My leg was shortened, and so my leg did not grow, and I was born without a hip joint. And so I'm different compared to any other amputee out there because I still have a knee, and so I'm able to bend my little leg, my residual limb, whereas with uh, a typical amputation, a lot of folks don't have their knee or their ankle, and I still have both parts of my, my left leg. Oh, really? Really? Oh. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's interesting to think about. But yeah, my left leg just didn't grow. And so I had my foot amputated when I was a year old. So I could fit into a prosthetic leg to walk. And so that's how I ambulate now as I use a, a prosthetic leg. How is that? Is it sore? Is it hard? Or are you just so used to it? It doesn't bother you anymore? Yeah. So, you know, being transparent, it's like, it kind of feels like putting on a shoe, basically. Uh, so I'm, I'm at my most comfortable when I'm not wearing my prosthetic leg. And so I do have a manual wheelchair that I sometimes use to get around the house or I tell folks, you know, I'm in a hurry if I'm in my everyday wheelchair <laughs> because <laughs> I can just like zip wherever I need to. <laughs> so you are zipping across campus to like get to class and you're just like, get out of the way, get out of the way, you know? Yes. Really? Yes. Yeah, my friends knew like, oh, Jenna's in a hurry because she's in her wheelchair and she's just going for it. You know? <laughs> yes. So when you're competing, are you competing in your wheelchair or in a prosthetic? I compete in my racing wheelchair. Yep, that's a great question. So I have an everyday manual wheelchair, but I also have a racing wheelchair. 
which over time has transformed from an everyday manual wheelchair being four wheels to now it's a three-wheeled wheelchair that I use to compete in. So two wheels in the back and then one wheel in the front. It's similar looking to a hand cycle, if you've heard of a hand cycle before. But the difference is that a racing wheelchair does not have any gears. And so it is a more of a parallel to uh, typical running or able-bodied running, whereas a hand cycle is very similar to cycling. Ah, yeah. that's interesting. Yes. Okay, I have a question. Yes. You're on campus or you're wherever and you're going because you have to get <laughs> class early. Do you ever take a corner too sharp and you're like, I just bit it. Hit the curb. Totally just bit it. No, I don't do that. I'm pretty good, but I could see on an icy surface or something how that could definitely happen. Hello, friends. We just wanted to take a moment here to say thank you to all of you loyal listeners. That's right. We just found out that Tell Us a Good Story is now in the top 2% of all podcasts worldwide. And that's because of you sharing us with your family and friends on social media and giving us positive reviews on the Apple Podcast app and all the other platforms. So please keep it up. And to get more information about us or our entire catalog of episodes, be sure to check us out at kevinandsteph.com. Thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story. So, Steph, I've got a quote from her mom, Cindy. All right. So, in recovery, my husband told me that one of the children had a little leg. We got opinions from several doctors about what we should do. And one of them, who was ranked as a top 10 doctor in this situation, told us that Jenna would never be able to use a prosthetic leg and she would only be in a wheelchair. As it turned out, the first time Jenna ever used a wheelchair was when she competed in a track event in 2013. She has walked with a prosthetic leg her entire life. Wow. It almost just shows like your perseverance and your drive. Even at two, when you're like, I don't want to be last, that just shows doctors don't know everything. Well, even for her parents, like, nope, we're not accepting that. Exactly. We're not accepting that. Mm -hmm. We're going to try this prosthetic leg. We're going to believe good things are going to happen for her daughter. And growing up, What kind of sports did you play then? What things were you able to do? Yeah. So in middle school, I played volleyball and basketball in the winter. And then I threw discus on the track team before I knew about wheelchair racing. And then in high school, that was when I noticed that my peers were getting faster. And unfortunately, I was not. And so I was not able to keep up on the basketball court, on the volleyball court. And that was really hard for me at first to be able to digest that. And so I started golfing and I knew that I was really strong and I knew that I could swing a club. And so I was like, let's just give it a try. And my temperament did not fit one of a golfer. But, you know, I was a very, I was a very good golfer, a four-year letter winner and varsity captain my senior year. And so that's what I did in the fall. And then of course, in the spring, I threw discus on the track team, but my sophomore year is when the Ohio High School Athletic Association added wheelchair events to the high school state track meet. So that was when I started my wheelchair racing career. So how did you find out about that? that that was going to be an option. How were you informed of that? So my freshman year at our league meet, the PTC meet, Portage Trail Conference meet, I was there watching my teammates throw discus. 
And my mom was my high school coach at the time. And it was, it was at Ravenna High School. And I had called my dad and said, Dad, I'm done watching. Come pick me up. I'm hungry. I'm tired. And I want to go home because I was being a, a snotty teenager. Um, and so as I was walking across the infield, I was stopped by a gentleman named Dave Kirk. And Dave Kirk is a member of the OHSAA and his daughters were also my same age and they were running at the league meet. And he said, Jenna, I am aware that the state of Ohio is adding wheelchair events next year at the high school state track meet. And I think that you'd make a great candidate for kicking off this program. And the first word that I heard was wheelchair and I was not interested because I had never used a wheelchair. I use a prosthetic. How does this relate to me? And I throw discus. I'm perfectly happy where I am. And so finally, after talking to my parents and some convincing that had to happen from them, I did give wheelchair racing a try summer after my freshman year in high school. What was it like then the first time you got in a wheelchair? Because you're adamant, I'm not using a wheelchair, right? You get in there, and what was that like? Was that really odd the first time you got in one of those? Yeah, you know, it was a really foreign feeling. You know, I've never used my hands in that capacity before of trying to completely move my body by just using my hands, my arms, my shoulders. And actually, my balance using a, a racing wheelchair was so off when I first tried it. I completely flipped my racing wheelchair oh, no. and I landed on my back the first time I was ever on a track and it's called, um, you, you turtle yourself. That's what we call it in the sport of like, Oh, I turtled, I flipped backwards. Okay. And I remember laying on my back <laughs> on the track thinking, I am not going to be able to do this. I cannot even stay upright. <laughs> and so, and I've only done that a time or two since then, but it, it was a very humbling first time in a racing wheelchair. <laughs> I have a question. Are you buckled in? Yeah, we have some straps and things, but really you use your core to stay in your position that you need to stay in when you're in a racing wheelchair. And so, yeah, it's kind of like a, it's just an isometric hold the whole time, basically. Oh. Of, okay. I need to be able to, to oh, really hold this, up. hold this movement. Yep. So you have a six pack is what you're telling us. Flexing the whole yeah, race. The whole time. Did you have burns on your hands for as fast as you had to wheel? That's a really great question. I can tell that you both have done your research because this is amazing. So we use a, a special type of glove when we're in our racing wheelchair. And so at first it was made of just a fabric. And now that science has really changed the face of our sport, we use a 3D printed glove on our hands oh, wow. that is scanned to the shape of our hand. Are you so fancy? Wow. Oh my gosh. You have a 3D printer of my hand. I'd be wearing those to drive right? my car. I might see my hand glove because it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it's been really great. And so I do get blisters and I do get a couple of burns on my arms from your arm will rub the wheel and then over 26 miles, you know, you get the scrapes and the bleeding and all those different things. And that's just the nature of the sport, really. And this part of the sacrifice. 
So if I were to go online and order a racing wheelchair, what is that going to cost me? I literally have no idea because it's very specific and aerodynamic and all of that. What would that cost? I would say on average, if you were to order one today, you would probably spend around $6,000. Oh, yeah. I was thinking higher. Were you? Yes, because I'm thinking about like bikers. So I know those like the frames and then you have the wheels and all that can get up there mm-hmm. to like even like 10 to 15. So I think you're hitting the nail right on the head. The more customized piece that you have, the more expensive it's going to be. Right. And so there are racing wheelchairs out there that are upwards of twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars $25,000. And so that's the part of disability and sport that is so complex, right? Is that if you don't have the funds to be able to get yourself involved in the sport, it's really hard to, to get engaged in physical activity and exercise as a young person with a disability. And so that's an obstacle or a hurdle that we face. Okay, I want to know about sponsorship because you're kind of a big deal. So are you sponsored? (laughs) I am. Yep. So I have have two sponsors. And so I want to shout out first, I am sponsored by an apparel company out in Seattle, Washington, and they're named Wazelle. It's O-I-S-E-L-L-E, which is French for bird. And so their company really likes to relate to that feeling of flying that we have when we're running or when we're exercising. And so they are my apparel sponsor going through Paris 2024. And I'm also recently sponsored by Toyota as well. I saw that. What? Yes. Are you serious? <laughs> I am Jenna, serious. amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, they've been a really great sponsor and really just helping the disability movement and sponsoring a lot of disabled athletes leading up to the Paris 2024 Games. So I'm very thankful to have them as my sponsor along with Wazelle. All right, Steph, I've got a question for you. What's your favorite book of all time? Uh, obviously, you met her where? Oh, I thought you were going to say the Bible. Oh, oops. <laughs> What's your second favorite book of all time? You met her where? <laughs> a distant second. Totally distant. It's a pretty good book. Sorry, God. It's still a pretty, pretty good was. book. But we're so excited. Where can people get our book, honey? Okay, I know this. Uh, Amazon.com. Yes. Barnes & Noble. Yes, and? And our website, KevinStuff.com. And, and what happens if they buy it off our website? <gasps> what do they get? Uh, an autograph from us. Yes. Who wouldn't want that? So listeners, if you've already read the book, thank you so much. We've had such good feedback. One thing that helps us, if you can give us a review on amazon.com, we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. So Jenna, I don't know if you can see this. My wife is on the edge of her seat (laughs) and I am trying to hold her back from questions. I keep tapping her like, it's my turn to ask a question. It's my turn to ask a question because I have a follow-up question to (laughs) something she said like five minutes ago and you keep rapid fire. Mm -mm. So back to high school. When you started competing in 2013, how does that work? Is it you're in the 800 meter race and you just go with everyone else? Is that how that works? So in the state of Ohio, it was a brand new sport in 2013, right? 
I did not know anybody around me that was also a wheelchair athlete. And so at our local meets, yes, I was the only athlete in a racing wheelchair towing the line with other able-bodied you know, high school athletes. And so that was a big educational moment that I had for other athletes my age of we will not be interfering with each other's race. The longer the race, the faster I'm going to go. I will be passing you, you know, after the first lap, it just takes me a little bit to get moving. And it was a great exercise in trust and a great just educational moment for everybody involved in 2013 and really through 2015 when I graduated as well. Oh, that's true. So what events were you in? Yeah. So the state of Ohio offered the 100 meters, 400 meters. 800 meters and the seated shot put. Okay. So those are the races that I ran. Whoa, wait. So you just did all of them? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up. That one. Okay. That one. Okay. I'll just do them all. <laughs> and I threw discus still. So I, I would start off and I threw discus and I would bounce over to the track, hop into my racing wheelchair, and then hop in on any races that I opted in to do for that day. It was a pretty busy day. Okay. So if you're in the 800, or the 400, we'll say the 400. What lane do they put you in then to start? So you're kind of out of the way and you gives you enough room to get past everybody. Yeah. So it wasn't an issue for the 100 and the 400 meters, right? Because you aren't cutting in for those specific races. Oh, okay. So it didn't matter what lane I was in for the 100 and the 400, but for the 800, That was when it was a little bit more of a science of, okay, these girls are running, you know, this specific time. And this is what Jenna runs. Where are we going to place Jenna to where we can keep everybody safe, but also Jenna's not boxed in. And so I think usually I I would stay in lane one. And so they would have to come into me and I never had any issues with it. And I'm very thankful that I was able to have that opportunity. So with the 400 then... Is there a specific lane you wanted? It doesn't matter because on a racing wheelchair, we have a little um, triangular piece underneath the racing wheelchair called a compensator. And so we could set our compensator to whatever the curve of the track, whatever that diameter is. And so we would adjust that to how wide we were going to be on the track. I guess I don't know how I would steer. If I'm in lane one and I'm taking the curve... I can't just go full blast because I've got to steer it too, right? Well, you're going to wheelie it. Do you wheelie it? (laughs) (laughs) So that's what the compensator is for. So once it's set, once you approach the turn, you hit the compensator and then it's set for the track. So you can just continue to push as you would because the front wheel is then turning to be able to keep you Within, within the, the lane. lane of the track. Okay. Ah. Because yes. when you first said that, I thought it adjusts the diameter of your wheelchair to fit within the lane. But you're saying it also keeps you in the lane. Yes, it keeps you in the lane. Yes. So what happened after high school? Yeah. So in 2014, as I was applying to colleges, I stumbled across the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. And I knew that if I wanted to be the best wheelchair athlete I could possibly be. I had to go to the best school for wheelchair track and road racing, which is the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. So I reached out to coach Adam Blakeney, who is now my current coach. I reached out to him and requested for a tour. 
And so after coming out to the University of Illinois, I looked at my parents and they looked at me and we knew that this was the school that I needed to attend. And so I said my prayers and next thing you know, I I got into U of I. Can you share the story of when you and your parents drove up to your dorm and you didn't realize you had signed up for a Catholic dorm? (laughs) Can you share that story of what happened? Yeah. So um, once you apply to a college and you get in, you receive all of this paperwork and all of these check marks of all the things that you need to do, right? You need to register for your classes. You need to figure out where you're living and all those different things. And so I signed up and contracted to live at Newman Hall, which is over here on 6th and Armory. And I only signed up to live there because the location is right in the heart of campus, right? So I wouldn't have to walk that far to get classes. And so when we arrived on campus, we pulled up on 6th Street. It's beautiful, beautiful brick, red brick building. And we see all of these priests and nuns outside. And I looked at my parents. I was like, are we at the right place? Like, What is going on? They're just having a huge party out here. <laughs> Lo and behold, Newman Hall is a part of St. John's Catholic Newman Center on campus. And it is a Catholic community. And so we were, you know, so surprised pulling up to find this out. But I, I ended up having a great experience living at Newman Hall. And I, I'm actually on professional staff here now. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) I had read something where your mom's like, what did we just sign up our daughter for? Like, we didn't know this was a convent or because there's nuns and priests everywhere as you're walking in the dorm. Like, you had no idea. Yes, that's exactly how we felt. And I work here now. I'm the resident director. So I oversee all 600 students that live within the building. And so, uh, yeah, Newman Hall. Who would have (laughs) thought? So, Jenna. I want to brag on you here for a minute. And for all of our guests, we give a list of fun facts of the things you've done and accomplished. And Steph, I know this is going to bring up a lot of questions as well. So, of course, she was born a triplet, like she said, with her brother, Jonathan and sister Jessica. She grew up playing basketball and varsity golf in high school with a prosthetic leg. She got involved in wheelchair track in 2013 when the OHSAA added wheelchair events to the state track meet. So she comes from an athletic family. Her mom, Cindy actually ran track at Kent State, played one year of basketball there. She also coaches at Southeast High School in Ravenna since 1985. Wow. Now, Ravenna is 15 miles east of Akron. Okay. 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 So that gives you an idea where Jenna grew up. Okay. So here's a quote from her mom, Cindy. Okay. While coaching Jenna in high school, she said, either you can take care of business or you can just sit down and cry about it. And so you've got to take your pick, Jenna. Which one do you want to do? I love your mom. (laughs) Like, all right, girl, this is what we're doing. I love it. She didn't feel sorry for you. She didn't like, oh, it's okay. Like, no, girl, if this is what you want, let's fight and go get it. Oh, I love her. Yes. And I just feel like Jenna has her personality. Oh, I'm sure she does. Right? I totally think they're probably two peas in a pod. Do you remember your mom saying that to you specifically? I do. I do. When did she say that to you? Oh, all the time. Okay. (laughs) Okay. It's like every day. Okay. (laughs) It was, you know, as you're growing up with a disability, you're going through different things, right? And and it's a process every day and you get to choose whether you're going to take advantage of the day or you're not, you're going to press news. And so it's a constant choice. It's a mindful choice that I get to make every day. 
And I try to choose right every day. And so I hope I do. So if Jenna can take advantage of the day and not hit snooze, then you could don't have to hit snooze five times <laughs> I, I a day and take advantage. I'm always, every time he hits the snooze, I'm like, your, take advantage of the day, Kevin. Your microphone's take cutting out. Take advantage of the day. <laughs> Kevin, do you like to help your friends out? It depends. If our friends are asking me to help them move, then no, I absolutely do not <laughs> like to help my friends out. But what if your friend had a weekly radio show and podcast and just wanted you to tell someone about it? Yes, I could totally do that. That is much easier than me trying to carry a piano down into a basement, which has happened to me in the past, and you know who you are. <laughs> friends, we are not asking you to carry a piano for us, but if you like what you hear, please tell someone about us. As soon as this episode is over, go tell your spouse, your closest friend, a parent, a coworker, or share one of our posts on social media. However, if you don't like what you're hearing, please do not. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anybody. Just disregard this message. Don't worry about Forget it. Forget about us. Yep. Go on with your merry day. So in 2014, Jenna here was named the National Girls Field Athlete of the Year by U.S. Paralympics. Then in 2019, Jenna graduated from the University of Illinois with a degree in both kinesiology and communications. In 2015... The U.S. Paralympics Track and Field National Championship, she won the gold medal in the discus. You guys, this is the first time where I am literally screaming quietly because my mind is being blown right now. In 2019, <laughs> she placed second at the Los Angeles Marathon. In 2020, she earned bronze in the women's wheelchair race at the London Marathon. In 2019, same year, she represented Team USA at the 2019 Pan Am Games in Peru and competed in five events. The 100 meter, 400 meter, 800 meter, 1500 meter, 5000 meter. Okay. My hand is in the air. Can we stop right there? Yes. Okay. How, what do you call us? Able body. Yeah, able body. Mm -hmm. There is no able body person that does the 100 meter and the 5000 meter. meter. Like that's <laughs> crazy, but does all five of them. So the fact that you do that. Oh, the training. What? Yes. What is your training like to be able to do that? The biomechanics of a sprint does not look that much different than uh, a long distance event. And so a lot of the sprinting mechanics that we learn, we're able to translate that and transition that over a long distance or a long period of time, like a marathon. So it's not completely rare that you would see an athlete who specializes in, in sprinting events to also compete in those longer events like the 1500, the 5000, the marathon, those different races. Are your arms just like jello <laughs> by the end? Oh, I Seriously, can't imagine. Like after a marathon or after you've competed in five events, like how do you brush your teeth? Do you even <laughs> do your hair? Like I'm being honest, how does that even happen? How do you drive a car how, home after seriously, that? Seriously, how, how do you eat, Jenna? Are your arms just dead? Well, you know, I recently competed in the New York City Marathon, and this is the first marathon that it's five days after the race. I'm still sore, you know. Um, it presents its own challenges along the way, but I also this fall. Uh, I'm not trying to brag. I'm just sharing my experience. But I did the Chicago Marathon and the Boston Marathon a day apart. Oh, my gosh. What? 52 miles in two days. And that was really more of a mental challenge, I think, than a physical challenge of being able to complete both of them. But I did it. And I'm really happy to be able to have the resources around me to be able to do something like that. So did you literally just you got done with Chicago and then you jumped a plane and headed to Boston? 
Yes. <laughs> with how long that wheelchair is, though, you can pack that and take it with you. Yeah, you check it at the gate kind of like a stroller. So you, uh, I bring okay. it completely to the gate with me. I see it off, you know, goes down to the plane. And then it's there waiting for me when I arrive at my next destination. Girlfriend, are you watching them like out the window? Like, don't you be gentle. <laughs> like, are you, what are you doing with that? I really am. I feel like such a mom to all of my equipment sometimes. I'm looking out the window like, oh, please don't move it like that. Take good care of it because I have such a deep care for this, you know, one piece of 72 inch equipment. But yeah, that's me basically. <laughs> Confession. Yeah. So Steph, in mid-June... At the U.S. Paralympic Team Trials in Minneapolis, Jenna qualified to represent the United States in three events at the Tokyo Paralympics, the 1,500-meter, the 5,000-meter, and the marathon race. <laughs> Let's just qualify for the three longest-distance races that you possibly can. Like, I'm not going to do the 100 or 200. I'm going to qualify for the 5,000, the marathon, and what was the other one? 1,500. The 1,500. Jeez. You cannot tell me your arms were just not, like, dragging on that. <laughs> Like, what were the days between each event? Yeah, I'm curious how long you were in Tokyo. How many days? I was in Tokyo for 17 days. Oh, my. 17 days. Mm -hmm. My competition was over a 10-day period, though. So I got there with seven days to acclimate. And we can't forget the COVID protocols, right? right? And so Japan was under a state of emergency in August. And so we had all of these different, you know, pieces of criteria that we had to go through, even just get on the plane to go to Tokyo. So yeah, it was, it was a whirlwind. So do you stay in the same Olympic village then as the able-bodied Olympics, I guess they call it? Yep. The Paralympics, everything is hosted within the same facilities, the Paralympic village, the Paralympic stadium. And so all those things are the same. Were the beds as bad as what they said they were? I slept like a baby. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I slept so well on those cardboard beds. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because I saw pictures. I'm like, that looks terrible. That would not fit me at all. No, it was great. But my roommates and teammates at the time were like, this is terrible. You know, but I, I liked it. <laughs> were you there for opening ceremonies? I was. How was yeah. that? Oh, I can't put I can't put it into words. Uh, quite honestly, it was amazing. And I think that it it was so amazing because when they celebrate the opening ceremonies, all of those athletes have worked so hard and overcome so, so many trials and tribulations to be able to make it to the Paralympic Games or the Olympic Games, right? And so, yeah, I was just really overwhelmed with so much emotion to be able to go and to compete and to represent my country and to represent my own community of support that I have from the state of Ohio, Illinois, um, USA. I was just really um, so thankful to be able to represent so many people who have lifted me up in this process of training and competing at the games. And so, yeah, it was a very emotional experience, as you can imagine. Well, to put it in perspective, you had only been competing like this for eight years. Mm -hmm. So in eight years, you'd gone from high school, hey, we're thinking about adding this as a sport to now being in the Olympics. That's unbelievable. Right. So her very first Olympics, Steph, she finished seventh in the 5,000 meters and 11th in the marathon which is just incredible. Unbelievable. And this weekend finished fourth in the New York City Marathon. Oh, my, are, do you just have pinch me moments all the time? 
I feel like this whole fall has been a pinch me moment, you know, um, going to the Paralympic Games in Tokyo, coming back. And then my sister got married like four days after I got home. Oh, my. So I flew to Montana to celebrate my sister and my my brother-in-law. And then boom, boom, boom. I had four more marathons after that. <sighs> London, Chicago, Boston, New York City. Still in school, still trying to finish my master's degree, and then working here at Newman Hall at the University of Illinois. It's just been a complete whirlwind. Yeah. <laughs> Steph, you were right. The problem we're going to have with Jenna is we are going to talk too long. Uh-huh. We're going to talk too long. So final question, and we'll let you get out of here. But what piece of advice would you give young kids today, whether they're able-bodied, disabled, I'm just thinking like of our daughter, Emmy, what piece of advice would you give kids right now growing up? I would say specifically for young girls, I would say is that it is so, so important that you continue to believe in yourself and take any opportunity that you have any door that's open for you to just go for it. Just shoot for the stars. You never know where you're going to land along the way. I would have never have guessed that I would have ended up here at the University of Illinois, making a Paralympic team, going to Tokyo. I would have never have guessed that for myself. And that only happened because I opened a door that was put right in front of me. And I'm very thankful to the Ohio High School Athletic Association for that. And so shoot for the stars and have fun along the way. Well, listeners, for more information about Jenna, you can go to her Instagram page at Jen Fessemeyer, and we will put that in the show notes. Well, Jenna, you are absolutely fantastic. Amazing. You are such an inspiration. I can't tell you how honored we are to talk to you, and we appreciate you giving up your time here to have a conversation with Steph and I. So thank you so very much. Can I just ask one more question before you go? Of course. Have you ever, this is what I think you need to do in your off season. I think you need to compete in arm wrestling. (laughs) I don't think guys could compete. Seriously. I would just be like, all right, next up. And then bam. All right. Keep it coming. Jenna at the campus bar. Who's next? Put your money down. (laughs) That's so funny. Friends, we want to encourage you to please follow us wherever you listen to this, whether it's on the Apple Podcast app, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or one of the other platforms. It's completely free, you guys. This helps us out big time with the folks who track this stuff. If you haven't already, we want to encourage you to please rate or even write us a review on Apple Podcast. We need as many as we possibly can, even if it's just one sentence. Thank you for listening, you guys, and sharing us with your friends.